0: Welcome to the No Name Podcast. I am Jay, uncle Juju St. Paul. I am Ish. And I am C-Stats. We upload video versions on YouTube, which you can find on the I Am Hip Hop Magazine YouTube channel. Easiest way to search for us on YouTube is to type I am hip hop, or one word, space magazine. And yes, I did say space, their magazine. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and click that notification bell as we post weekly and it really helps with the algorithms. We hope you enjoy the show. Peace, love, and all that good stuff. Peace.
1: Peace. That's dope. Yeah.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the No Name Podcast. You are now locked in, tuned into J. juju St. Paul, and my guy Ish. Also, dad is not a noun, and we have a legend, a true king upon kings, if you would like to take the title, Rahim, who is part of uh, one of the first hip-hop groups ever to bless us with hip-hop and rap and culture. Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Five, but before that, the Furious Four. And also, thank you so much, King, for joining us this evening for the No Name podcast powered by I am Hip Hop. How are you doing? How's life? How's I'm great.
2: Uh thank you all for having me. Um, you know, I'm I'm just like uh a, a pimple on a on a supermodel's face. I'm just very happy to be here, you know what I mean?
1: Great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i like
1: that one i like that yeah i'll would,
0: I would, I would, I would take that but look we ain't trying to pop you just yet we want you to stand out <laughs> or need
1: the focus of attention on this situation that's gonna right. 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 be my pickup line <laughs> <laughs>
0: baby i'm like a pimple on your fate like, oh what <laughs> i stand out <laughs> Right. <laughs> I might actually have to record that. So, right. So, just because obviously before we started to record, um, we're now looking at your well, the backdrop for your current new space, as you just said, and we noticed that you've done the mink drop to say that you know this is my new, this is my new crib. So, if anyone like us, like I said, that's that fur. So, if you're not mistaken,
2: wait, 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 wait. Here, here you go. I, I got. I got <laughs>
0: Oh, here we go! (laughs) Oh my God! Oh, oh. what? What?
1: (laughs) Ah! The show is over. The show is over. We don't Look, even have to interview. The show is over right now. There's- yeah, for
0: real. For real. Okay. I, don't care how much, I don't care how much money got you got your IG. I don't care how much money got you flashing around. Unless you can afford to drop your fizzer on the floor. This okay, is me. You ain't got nothing, son. You're not. Talk- this is no. That's real. That's real. <laughs> Bro, that's,
1: that's, that's, right real. that's real. That's OG right there, man. Seriously. They don't know about that. They don't know about that. (laughs) No, but when this becomes viral,
0: that's gonna become a trend. That's gonna be a new TikTok. Mint drop.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: You heard it here first. first. That's what? right. We, oh, heard oh, first. we just need the 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 dope instrumental or something like yeah. that, and slow mo as
0: well, because that's like the way you start fling down that power walk. It was just like <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you, just know. You, know, you know how it would work too if you, you do it in slow mo, like like super slow motion Yeah, shit. absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> even the <laughs> walk up, you know, it's like I got you. Do 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 do
2: do right. do. do. That, <laughs> Absolutely.
0: That would just be Absolutely. Oh man, but um like for me this is a a monumental moment. Like real real, yo, real talk.
2: Yo, yo, seriously for me too, bro, cuz like um we've been all over in the UK like like yo, shout out to Leeds, Loughborough, Manchester, uh London, Brixton. You oh, know what wow. I mean? like come on man, like we we've been all over that joint, you know?
0: And, and so this is the difference between someone who's actually been here, toured here, and knows the boroughs. So thank you very much for even getting the pronunciations right, because we've spoken to a few who haven't, so you can see. <laughs> 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 so yeah, no, we'll so to all of them men's there, we'll put Wales, Scotland, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a
2: home bloke. <laughs> yeah, oh, <wow. laughs>
0: look. You can get it two ways, my friend. I can get absolutely politically correct with you and talk teas and crumpets, or you know what, Blad, you have to get cheap with you in it, fam. Like it don't matter which way it is, cousin. And like, are you down or what in Like it's a, exactly. <laughs> it's a blizzy, fam. It's a blizzy.
1: No.
0: <laughs> oh lord. Oh wow. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. <laughs> this
1: is the but, best right now.
0: But I definitely want to say one thing. Thank you for everything that you and your crew did and your crews did. Thank you so much for bringing something out of nothing in a sense that people could probably call like street poetry or the fact that, you know, just making something in a situation where there was nothing really to kind of bring forth. And the fact is as well that you this is before you were you were doing your thing before records were cut. Right. So that's another thing altogether, you know, like, and the fact that it was an inspiration where it didn't just stick to the Bronx, it didn't just stick to like new NY, it then spread. It became right. then a absolutely viral worldwide phenomenon. Like you've got, you've got artists that are spitting in every country in their own language with their own flat flow, their own feelings. There's like, you know, we've obviously still got our party rappers, we've got our politicals, you know, there's so much power behind what you have contributed to so first that's why I say real talk like from the bottom of my heart bottom of my soul thank you for this because hip hop is solidly shaped and formed my life as a person and my outlook to stuff as well and also it's always been a good topic of conversation <laughs> that's not gonna lie no matter how viral like you know vicious it may get mm-hmm. so thank you so much for that Raheem like real talk and also thanks for the get down as well but we'll hopefully touch on that in a little bit as well but what I wanted to w- w- just just to kick it off a little um Cause I've watched a couple of, I've watched a few of your interviews. Mm-hmm. I know that you're, are you, is your autobiography ready and done? Or are you still working on it at the I'm moment? I'm
2: still working on it. It's almost done. Um, I, mm, End of January, early February. Uh, it, should, it should be done.
0: Yeah. And are you gonna do an, are you doing an audio version as well? Or is it just yes, gonna be- definitely. Oh, wicked, cool. That, that's it, I'm so 100% sold. Something to listen, definitely to listen to. But obviously we, we've got to wait for that, um for that to be released. Mm-hmm. But what I'm more interested to know in is, is like, what was your, what was it like growing up, especially in NY during those times? You know, what was your experiences like from a kid up to when you first started? You know, when you went to high school and you made your influence to start rapping.
2: Um, <clears throat> well, there were a lot of uh, different things going on um, uh, in the Bronx during that time. Um, you know, one of the one of the main things that was going on. Was uh, the the all of the social programs that uh, kids used to have access to and go to? You know, after school, you know, there were after school programs. You could go there. Um, it was usually held at your school, and uh-huh. um, you know, it was an, It was after school hours, and you would usually go there and you know if you were a latchkey kid meaning you know your your parents work while you're while you're home um you would go to the after school program you could get you know extra help with your with your homework you know um they they uh engaged us in you know different sports activities and it it was just basically a means of Keeping kids off the street um, during the uh, during the seventies, and oh. so um, uh, I believe it was Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford, I believe, was the president at the time of the United States, and um, New York was doing pretty badly uh, as far as financially, oh. and um, they you know the governor of new york at the time requested uh additional federal funding and um ford uh it, it made headlines uh it said uh, on the daily news ford to city drop dead and so all of the social um programs lost their federal funding and so kids uh were turned to the street we we had no place to go and so we wound up on the streets of new york city and so as a result of that um gangs gangs were rampant um you know uh, youth gangs and so the largest gang in new york city uh at that time was called the black spades yeah. Yeah. um and um uh, the Black Spades, uh, one of their one of their territories was not far from the neighborhood that I grew up in. <clears throat> uh, the neighborhood I grew up in was called Lambert Houses. Uh. Um, and so uh, the guys from the Black Spades, from the older Black Spades would come over to Lambert houses, from Bronx River houses which is where uh, Africa Bambaataa lived. And there was a division of the Black Spades that uh, he wound up becoming the leader of eventually after he uh, changed gangs from being, um, he was initially a savage nomad and then he became a Black Spade later on.
0: Wow. Um,
2: So after he became a Black Spade, uh, the division of the black spades that were under his leadership uh in bronx river projects they would come over to lambert houses um and rob everything and everybody mm. and um the only reason why they never robbed me was because i was uh, best friends with a dude named davy waters and davy waters older brother uh, we called him Wild Man Steve. And Wild Man Steve and Davey Waters were from Bronx River. Right. They, they actually moved from Bronx River to Lambert houses with their mom. And um, so when the guys, when the gang, uh, when the Black Spades from Bronx River would come over to Lambert houses to rob everybody, they didn't rob Wild Man Steve and they didn't rob Dave because they were from Bronx River. And so they didn't rob me because Dave was my best friend. Um, but even though they didn't rob me, they kind of like sunned me. You know? Right. They sunned me. Um, so when the young black spades, when the baby spades would ride over to Lambert houses on their bicycles to extort everybody that the older black spades didn't rob, Um on the way over to to, uh, uh, Lambert houses on their bikes, they would always take the same route and it would be a lot of broken glass and stuff. And so a few of them would always have flat tires. So the way that they sunned me was they found out what apartment that I lived in. Um, Mm -hmm. I lived with my mom, it was a duplex apartment. Now my older brothers, they were killers but they were all incarcerated. So I didn't have any protection at the time. Wow. So this gang of dudes come up to my, um, I had a, a uh, an exit door in my bedroom, which was on the fifth floor, but the front door to get in our apartment was on the fourth floor. Hmm. So they, these guys knew that my room was on the fifth floor. So they would take the elevator to the fifth floor and walk to the end of the hall and knock on my door. And um, uh, my middle name uh, is Todd, so they would call me by my government middle name and be like, "Yo, Todd, fix Cecil, uh, fix Cecil's flat, fix Mackey's flat, fix uh, fix uh, Dolan's flat, uh, fix Kindu's flat." And so the first the first time that they came and asked me, or not asked me, demanded that I fix these dudes' flats. I'm like, "Yo." Like, fuck out of here, like. And <laughs> I,
1: was like,
2: when I was like, flat fix? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so they was like, yo, you don't get it. Like we a gang and you one dude, like we will beat your ass. You gonna mm. fix some flats today. Mm. So I said, you know what? All right, all right, you got a point there. All right, no problem. I'm gonna fix some flats today. All right? Yeah. So." So I fixed flat tires, uh, fixed these guys' uh, bicycle flats for three consecutive summers. Mm. Uh, Every time they would ride around Lambert houses and one of them or a few of them get flats, they always bring it to my my apartment. So the last summer that uh, they brought their bikes up to my room to have me fix flats, um, it just so happened that I got down with, um, a crew
1: mm.
2: and we started and I started rapping and we were giving parties and we became pretty popular very fast. Mm. And so these guys, uh when they came to to have me fix their flats, um I heard them when they got off the elevator because they had a boom box
1: mm.
2: and um they were playing a tape of the last jam of the last party, that I did with my new crew called the Brothers Disco, DJ Breakout, DJ Baron, and Mm. the original Funky Four MCs. Mm. So um, they're coming down the hall and by the time they get to my door um, on the tape, I'm rhyming. So I open the door and uh, I'm saying the rhyme with myself on the tape. And these guys are looking at me like I'm a fucking Martian or something. They like, no, don't know shit about, like, uh, uh the Brothers Disco, DJ Breakout, and DJ Baron and the Funky Four MCs. They were like, you. Oh, I was like, like, wait, four, I'm there. one of them You're four, right? but okay. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yo. I said, no. uh, uh Now, I'm, I'm, I'm still saying the rhyme, but then I stopped. And I'm like, yo, what do you mean I don't know nothing about this? I said, that's me. And then they're like, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of the <laughs> like, like, right? And so I say, yo, that is me. What are you talking about? So they say, yo, stop the fucking tape. So they stop the tape. And uh one of them is like, yo, you know what? You better not fucking be lying to us. All right. Say some Raheem shit right now. And if you're to us, we're going to beat your ass.
0: <laughs> Proof, how that, how that, what's, prove that you you. I want you to prove that you you. <laughs> now I'm say my shit on the <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If that was me for one second, I know I'll F up a little bit in the beginning. Like I'll be like, am
1: I <laughs> okay, Real stuff. If that was like the new version of uh, American Idol, I would watch it. Yeah, for right now, I would actually. Like,
0: that's it. Like, what happens when a whole gang comes to your door with a boombox playing your shit, telling that ain't you. Prove right. it. Yo, okay. yeah. Yo,
2: you better say some Raheem shit right now. Right? And you better not be lying, or we gonna beat that ass. <laughs> and we've got buzzers. We've got buzzers. Right.
0: Right. Process of elimination, son. Right. Process of elimination. So, <laughs> so Sorry,
2: go I gotta say my shit under pressure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't stutter. <laughs> I can't forget. All right, so I give them like almost a whole fucking notebook full of shit. Wow. and like their mouths hit the floor. Like, oh shit, yo, he's fucking Raheem. <laughs> 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 don't, don't, don't you stupid asses. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they like oh shit yo you guys are doing a a a, a jam at the t connection in like two weeks yo we we are security i'm like all right cool y'all my security i never mm. fixed another flat again
0: wow <laughs> yo that's yo Word. that's the story in a half man so oh, jesus what do you kind of follow up from that like but okay so so now you've obviously come. Now you've now you got your protection. You know you right. three summers deep. Also, just a quick one: is that where the you know in the message where the the lyric you know broken glass everywhere? Yeah. Well,
2: well, I don't, think, I don't think necessarily that that lyric came from that experience because that was my personal experience. Right. Um. um but, but I mean, if you lived in the Bronx. Uh, that could have very well have been your experience because there was broken glass everywhere and there was people pissing on the stairs everywhere. So yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, that's the actual because I mean, for for someone especially here in the UK, who's you know that whole experience for us is always we get to see it, but always on a TV screen. So that's why I'm always kind of infatuated by the the upbringing and the stories and <laughs> how things are because it's like you know they really call cool. it like the hood stories, things that you only sort of like you know pick up if you right. know someone from out there or someone who's kind of gone through the whole thing. And also one thing that I've respected about, you know, a lot of the, you know, looking into your previous interviews is that you're very honest and trying to keep it clear mm-hmm. cut. Cause like you said, it's like, you know, whilst we're still alive, we might as well tell our story because right. we're the only ones who can actually tell it. Right. So so now you've obviously, you know, you're now in that mix of things, but what I kind of probably moving a bit ahead on the, um, the needle, so skipping a little bit mm-hmm. and dancing. Park jams, how did that whole thing come about? You know, what was that experience like? What difficulties did you have? I'm sure, cause neighbors ain't probably gonna be happy that there's a whole bunch of kids blasting out music. What was that whole experience like?
2: So um, so the, the park jams happened as a result of, you know, uh, uh, not, not having places to go, um, you know, the summertime in New York City, um, uh, New York City summers are unforgettable. And and you don't even really have to, you don't really have to have money uh, oh. uh, to have a lot of fun, uh, especially, especially if you're a kid in New York City. Um, you know, with, with, with New York City backdrop is the playground, you know what I mean? There's right. just so many things to do. And, you know, honestly, if you're not from New York City and you look up and down New York City streets, you'd be like, well, where the hell are the places for kids to play? Mm. Um, but, you know, uh I know you've heard the saying, necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. So, you know, out of, you know, uh, uh, a rose rose grew out of the crack in the concrete. Concrete, I love love that. And and so, so no matter how how, uh, desolate, no matter how barren, uh, no matter how, um, no matter how much the Bronx, Compared to other boroughs of New York City, uh, especially in the early, um, early mid, and late seventies, no matter how dilapidated it mm. appeared to be, it was very much alive. Right. And and the the soul of the Bronx is what helped to, uh, uh, I guess, I guess. Make the the spirit of hip hop viral. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? um, there were there was a, a a car service, a cab service called OJ Car Service. Oh, right, and yeah. OJ yeah. Car Service was one of the main reasons uh, how rap music traveled from borough to borough, from the Bronx. Um, It was how dudes in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens got to hear Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five before we made a record. Oh, wow. And and, uh, DJ Breakout and DJ Baron and the Funky Four before they made a record. The Fantastic Five um, and Grand Wizard Theodore before they made a record. DJ Mm. Charlie Chase and the Cold Crush Brothers before they made a record. So. Um, there was a record shop in the Bronx called Rhythm Den that was run, uh, owned uh, and run by a man uh, who owned a club uh, uptown in the Bronx called the T-Connection and his name was Richard T. So Richard right. T owned Rhythm Den, the record shop and he owned the T-Connection. And so all of the um, aspiring new rap artists, who performed at the T Connection? Uh, whenever they would, whenever we would perform at the T Connection, Richard T would record our parties mm. and put it on a cassette tape, and then the cassette tapes he would sell them out of his record shop, Rhythm Den. Right. So, so then the OJ car service, um, the cab drivers uh, that drove for them, they'd want music. A selection of music in their cars. So they would go to Rhythm Den and buy party tapes of all of the rap groups that 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 did parties during that time. And so um the very trendy thing to do during that time uh with OJ car service was to do what's called put an OJ on hold. So um all of the the biggest drug dealers, um, the biggest uh, stick-up kids, or Mm -hmm. if you just had money um, and you were from the hood, you knew that, uh, and and you didn't have your own car, you knew that you could call OJ and put an OJ on hold, Mm -hmm. and putting an OJ on hold was basically having the car at your disposal for an hour. You can put it on hold for longer than an hour, but putting uh, an OJ on hold for an hour costs $25. And so it would either wait for you uh, while you took care of your business for an hour, mm. or it would take you to a destination and drop you off and maybe pick you up and take you right. you know, to your final destination afterwards. But whenever they sent a the car for you, it was always a luxury car and it always had a cassette tape of one of the popular rap crews parties.
0: Wow. Oh wow! So that's
2: how rap music uh, before records spread to all of the boroughs of New York City. That's crazy, but it's yeah. also,
0: it also goes just goes to show exactly the um how much the support network was and exactly what kind of flavor and feeling that you get, exactly. because you, you tried to say that now to an Uber driver, that ain't going to work in any way, shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> Uber and Lyft have not got your back like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, work the same. But that's right. insane. But I mean, um. so, but what was your, what, what was your first performance like at a park jam as well? Like,
2: so what were your... F- so my first performance, well, my first performance uh, let's see, my first performance at a park jam. Um, I want to say my first performance at a park jam was um, was as a member of the Funky Four. And mm-hmm. we, uh, we performed in um, uh, this park called the Valley Park. Mm-hmm. And it was jam packed with people and it was like, it was like um, it felt like we were in Madison Square Garden. Like, you know, <laughs> there were so many people out there, um, and the energy—it was just—it was just completely, completely electric. Like, mm. like, like when we said, you know, "Say ho!" It was like it was like a roar. Wow. You know what I mean? Like you, like you don't want to ask the audience to say anything because when they respond, they're gonna scream you off the whole like off the planet. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's amazing. And um, um, it it was it was electric and magical because mm. of, of the command that we had the control and the command that we had over over our audiences. Um, I remember, you know, uh, there was a time when uh, there's this one particular record uh, that Flash used to play. And without fail, every single time that he played this particular song, um, somebody got robbed. Um, somebody got stuck up at our, wow. at our parties. And we begged, we would beg him not to play it, but the record was absolutely sick, like, like,
1: <laughs> sick. Yeah.
2: The yeah. uh, name of the song is called Listen To Me and um, it's by uh, an artist named Baby Huey. And it's mm. like one of the B-Boy anthems, uh, one of the early B-Boy anthems. But for for whatever reason, um, now most of the stick-up kids uh, from back in the 70s Uh, in early 80s um, they didn't they didn't smoke weed and they didn't sniff coke
1: wow they
2: they smoke angel dust oh that's worse and exactly and for whatever the reason whenever flash would play this song listen to me and the dust head stick up kids heard it it was like Shining the bat signal or something, <laughs> like letting them know it's okay to rob people now, and that's, that's what happened. Right. Every time. Oh, yeah. And we beg them not to play it.
0: I mean, but it's like it's like you said, it's like that that feeling of um, but yeah, that's crazy though. I mean, the bat signal thing, but I kind of get that. It's like like almost like even now when we hear certain songs or a certain genre of music, especially when you're that juiced up, automatically yeah. that kind of animal just kind of takes over.
2: Yeah, like I I can't. I can't listen to Tupac when I'm under the influence of any alcohol and I'm and I'm behind the wheel of a car. Um, I, I, no, no, it's not I safe. That. It's yeah. not safe. <laughs> at least you're honest
0: That's the right? truth. That's 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 the thing that once again. At least you're honest. Some people be like, no, no, I'm cool. I'm not right
1: now. It's it's black. it's black. Right.
0: Yeah, no, I, feel you. I completely feel you, but no, but thanks once again for sharing because I mean, as someone who DJs well, and still DJ, not as much as I used to, but yeah, that feeling of when you get the crowd underneath your sway, when you know that they're completely with you, like it's, it's that, that electricity that a lot of people will probably search for their whole life, but they'll never ever kind of understand it where, because it's like reciprocal. It so is. it's like, it's like you're giving, they're receiving, but they're just giving it back you're to it you. Back.
2: So- exactly.
0: I want to give it back just as they hard. they giving
2: you the the energy that you give to them, and it's and it's it's like like we're all you know we all uh, operate on based on frequencies, mm. and so if you could harness the frequency in the room when one of those jams are happening, like and and capture that energy, like man.
0: Well, that's like, going to be more dangerous than crack. Like, yeah, and you grew yeah. up during the crack era as well. So you were there during that whole thing. So absolutely, absolutely. 100% get us but when again, effectively, they kind of done that because um, like you're very, you know, especially educated and spiritually you're in tune as well. So, you know, like I know is that, you know, beats and rhythms, those frequencies control how we are as humans because we're mostly made out of water. So that kind of makes sense anyways, the vibrations. And then when you add a narrative or a message to it, Mm. All of a sudden, how you feel completely changes So, like, one of the biggest things that's always been I suppose what I've always been upset about Is the the more that the hip-hop artists that I kind of resonate more so with Would be, like, if you're talking more current style But not kind of current, but you've got your, like, the Nazis, the Calibs The most, you know, just on a few lighter heads right. But not to go through the whole list because we'll be here for days But, you know, there's a, there's like literally such a powerful message And the stories and the intricateness of it all And it's not just focused on you know the party side of what no, you know no. environments kind of come into so that's why like you know where we've now gone from where you where <clears throat> you guys kicked it all off you guys and girls like even the first female mcs and you know really kind of bringing this whole vibe together and then all of a sudden it then becomes heavily commercialized and now it gets put for a whole blender and now it's like once again if you can profit off it we're going to work off it but it doesn't like that music's still out there but you have to go and crate dig for it but well, no one really
2: about that. The the um you know unbeknownst to, to many people, um here in the in the states, um so there was a changing of the guard. Um okay. and it happened overnight. And and you know, while, while everybody was asleep, and then when we woke up um there was there was a new regime in place. Um, and I'm I'm referring to uh gangster rap. Right. So so now in 1989 uh public enemy released fight the power hmm. right yeah and so um you know if you recall uh when pe released that song Um, when the video premiered, um, Mm. I don't know how you guys felt, but the video gave me goosebumps. Yes. It it made me, it, 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 it made me feel because, you know, I I was born in the sixties. So Mm. it, it brought me back to, you know, the civil rights movement. It brought me back to the nation of Islam when Malcolm X was alive. It brought me back to Marcus Garvey, Noble <laughs> Drew Ali. It brought me back to that time. I'm getting goosebumps saying this right now. By the way, yeah. So, um, and and the powers that be, they recognized that. They saw that that was that that was becoming a movement again. Mm. right? and they absolutely did not want that. So. Yeah. In 1990, uh, a company called Corrections Corporations of America, the largest independent facilitator of privately owned penitentiaries in America, made deals with 48 states in America Mm -hmm. um, to have a privately owned penitentiary erected in that respective state based on the condition that that respective state could maintain a 90 percent incarceration rate. Yep. So, if every day of your young impressionable life, all you hear from your favorite artist who's probably in your ear more hours a day than your parent or your teacher, Facts. And, they're, and they're telling you that the very blueprint to their success was to mm. stand on the nearest corner, sell mollies, Percocets, kill niggas, fuck mm. hoes, um, okay a part a, a a percentage of the population who's most influenced by that message right. becomes that yeah that's called the power of suggestion yep. mm-hmm. and it's profoundly subtle but it's profoundly powerful and effective
1: extremely
2: effective because in fact it's
0: like Um, sorry sorry to cut it's just like the because the fact is it was they seemed at first they were concentrating on us because like you said from that one video public enemy fighter but even the same way I look at it Mm -hmm. I mean for when I was younger you don't you kind of just feel like yo that's it almost feels like a million strong and in a sense of referring back to, you, yep. know, the, yep. you know, the work that Martin and you know, Malcolm and everyone did, mm-hmm. especially during the civil rights movement. But it was just the fact, you know, you can look at it and you just feel empowered. It's like, right. you know what? It's cool. But what we're the fact is we're not trying to be fully in your faces, but what became then even more twisted and convoluted because once again, greed is such a nasty thing mm-hmm. is they didn't care if you were black now anymore. They just cared if you were underneath a certain bracket. If there was a, if you believed in a glass ceiling, then they will go for everyone that was underneath that glass ceiling. ceiling. They did not care anymore because once again, they had to keep up to the ninety percent incarceration rates. And you can't do that with, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's unproportional amount of black people that are ethnic people that are locked up. But when you really break it down, like there's still categorically here in the UK and where you are, there's still more white than there is black, verbatim. So they're going to be, once again, that's the things that they don't show you is how many of them are locked up in those situations is. So we kind of get misguided into this whole situation. Mm -hmm. But then we allow ourselves to be led because it seems like, oh yeah, well, this is where um, consumerism has become such a vile and vicious thing. They yep. will show you the cars, it will show you the things, but it, for me, I think the biggest things I started to break it down was when I converted from like the source to Triple XL magazine or King, like even from changing one magazine, your whole narrative on the culture changes, changes. Yep, and absolutely. that was that was a days from when I'm picking up them off right. from the shelves. Like I was, yeah. I was like, you know what, forget the source anymore. I mean, don't be wrong, I like the pictures and mm-hmm. who they used to get, but when you go to triple XL, they they were the ones that were covering the, the bleaching of the skin. They were the ones who were covering, right. you know, yeah. like how um the industry was being, you know, literally extorted for right. everything it was, how we're being misguided and led. So, mm-hmm. and then also that, you know, a lot of these artists that you're seeing with all these jewels and all this other stuff, and all the, you know, beautiful women in clubs. and mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. On oh, some Houdini shit, like yeah. real talk. But yeah. on a lighter note, before we get about the <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: as much as I'd love to have you, like literally for a few hours, just to talk about life, yo. But-
2: you know i'll come back whenever you want
0: so, you <laughs> know I, I definitely know for me that definitely means the world but yeah. i what i would want i want what i want to know so obviously i think was it 1979 may 11th is the date that i think that rings in my head when you battled the the funky four versus you know um the furious, furious. And Four and yeah. Four with grandmaster flash so yep. you got picked up because it's like right. yo bra is killing it like yo that's cool but what I want to know out of that, what was it like your first pro you know, your first one-on-one with Grandmaster Flash? What was it like, you know, when you got to just chill with him? What was that experience like?
2: Um Grandmaster Flash, um he he's a scientist. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and so when um the like, like the, very, the very first time that I got to say words to Flash, and, and he, he actually said words back to me, um, uh, I went up to him. He was in the DJ booth uh, at this club in Harlem called Harlem World, mm. and um, I had just became a member of the group. He didn't know because, um, the furious four and flash at the time, they weren't working together. They had, you know, they had beef, like they were, um, there was a, they had a manager named Ray Chandler who coincidentally is the uncle of Damon dash. Um, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Well, and so, um, so Ray Chandler. Was uh, was taking much better care of Flash and Mm -hmm. Flash's protege DJs, Disco B and DJ Easy Mike, than he was taking care of the Furious Four at the time. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want to work with Flash and Ray, uh, for that reason. Uh, and they like they were kind of like protesting or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, so. The DJ who actually DJed for the Furious Four, uh, when well, no, 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 okay, I'm I I, I skipped ahead, all right, so let me go back. So, May 11th, 1979, Webster Avenue, PAL, Grandmaster Flash, Furious Four, Breakout, Baron, Funky Four, okay, so they won the battle. Uh, Melly Mel, and at the time his name was Mr. Ness, he later changed it to Scorpio, came to my mom's house a few days after they won the battle and they said, Raheem, we like the way you do your thing or whatever. We want you to join our group. Mm. So I was like, all right, well, give me, you know, they was like, you don't have to tell us today, you know, take a few days or whatever, think about it and get back to us. I said, okay. So, uh, one of my OGs, he's like my big brother. His name was DJ Eminem, rest in peace. He hired the Furious Four to um, perform at a, a community center, Forest Houses Community Center. That's actually the neighborhood where Diamond D and Fat Joe and Showbiz and AG are from. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so we um, we we perform in this community center. And um, uh, DJ Eminem was from around my block. So mm. I performed with DJ Eminem and the Eminem crew first.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then um, I performed by myself. And then uh, the DJ, who was DJing for the Furious Four, uh, and and uh, we, the Furious Four and myself actually, had been rehearsing for a few weeks together
1: mm-hmm.
2: Um, mm-hmm. before that before that performance, so that we could actually have some kind of routine to perform together live.
1: Right?
2: Mm. Um, since you know, since I was gonna be uh, a member of the group,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so um, the DJ that we were rehearsing with, who actually played our DJ that night, was legendary DJ Charlie Chase. Oh well, wow. The Cold Crush brothers, but there was oh. no such there was no such thing as the Cold Crush Brothers uh, at that time. The Cold Crush Brothers didn't become a cohesive group until 1981. Mm. So uh uh we had we were going to Charlie Ch- Chase's house every day rehearsing, and so he DJed for us that night on stage and then um after we performed together after the Furious Four and myself performed together. Um, when we went backstage, they uh they called me in the dressing room and they asked me how much money I wanted. And mm. I was like, Well, you know what? Uh M didn't tell me, uh, we didn't we didn't negotiate any price uh for me to get paid for this joint. So this is on me, you know what I mean? It's all good. I yeah. just wanted an opportunity to perform with you guys because I think you're the best. And mm-hmm. they were like, well, how about if we just split the money up five ways because we think that you're just as good as any one of us. So um, we just going to split the money up five ways. I'm like, I bet. And so we called ourselves the Furious Five after that. So fast forward, mm-hmm. um, I was right, I was like tremendously excited <laughs> uh, to, to tell Flash that I was one of his MCs because Flash was the DJ that every MC wanted cutting behind him. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? so so when I heard that Flash was DJing at Harlem World, I made it my business to go down there and I go to the DJ booth and I go over to him. Now he never met me before. Mm. Um, he know he only knows my name. He knows my name because my name is ringing alarms in the street, but he mm-hmm. never met me physically before. Right. So, um, I don't know if he even knew what I looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go to the DJ booth and I'm like, "Yo, your yo flash, your flash." <laughs> he's, like, he's like, "Yo, like I work it, like I, work it. it. I work it." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? I know
2: that. Like, oh, yo flash, <laughs> the move, the right? shelf, the <laughs> I'm always <laughs> dying like a kid on Christmas. <laughs> and um finally he looks at me and was like, what? What? <laughs> I'm like, yo, yo, I'm Raheem. He was like, all right, it's fucking nice to meet you, Raheem. <laughs>
0: I would like I would not lie, but I know that exact feeling, especially when you're in the midst. And bearing in mind, this is the time where this is where DJing is started from. So the level of concentration must have been on the next What? Okay, nice to meet you, bro. Furious five, over there right.
2: And then I say to him, yo, Flash, I have I have fucking great news. He's like, yo, tell me whatever the fuck you gotta tell me and then hurry up. And get <laughs> I could so see him saying that as well. And with his usual kind of
0: you know, know his kind of weird it. bland dog. Yo.
1: I'm like, yo,
2: yo, Flash, guess what? We changed the name of the MCs. We're the Furious Five now. He's like, uh, we'll have to see about that. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs>
1: Wow.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just now
2: assassinated my yeah. enthusiasm ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but in
0: some way somehow that made Yo. you stronger I don't know how that oh, it it
2: Look, <laughs> I'm the youngest member of the group and yeah. when I first joined the group um so so you know these guys they're 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 jokesters, they're pranksters. And, um, and like, if you don't have, if you, if you got thin skin, mm. um, you're not going to last five minutes around these guys, uh, especially like Melly Mel and, um, and Cowboy. Um, yeah. We, they, they used to, uh, snap, like snap on each other all the time, you know, snaps <laughs> is like, you know. Joking Cuss is, what we'll cussing,
0: what we'll call this cutting. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, so, when I first got in the group, um, I was the butt end of every joke. But that's because they didn't know that it, it was a no-no to joke on me. Right. right. So, <laughs> so it's snapped back, <laughs> is <isn't it>? I'm <laughs>
0: not gonna clap back on a snap <laughs> back.
2: clap back for days. And my shit is side-splitting. You know? So, <laughs> so one day, Melly Mel, he's I don't know I don't know what what the issue was, but it was just fuck with Raheem day, and so he's like relentlessly like coming for me every time I every time I turn around, and then um the clapback was just fucking classic like <laughs> like like when I. And and I don't even remember exactly like verbatim what oh. I said, but he um we we used to uh when we first started touring, whenever we would stop at a truck stop, um he made it like his ritual to like buy all of these different like little mementos and memorabilia oh. from these different truck stops. Right. So um so he had like um He had like, um, I don't, I don't know what the, what the thing was that he had them hanging on, but um, he bought this hat. (laughs) He bought this hat and then uh, he hung all of these trinkets Mm. from the hat. Right. And so after a while, like it, like the hat looked like Fucking Christmas tree or something, because he had like, <laughs> all these decorations or these ornaments hanging off yeah. like And so I'm like, yo, <laughs> you, look, you look like a complete fucking Christmas jackass. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You're like you're like you're lights and shit. <laughs>
0: you're looking like a ghetto crocodile Dundee in right. this <laughs> <laughs> this ain't yeah. enough.
2: <laughs> and so the thing about Melly Mel is he can dish it out, but he can't take it.
1: So right, right.
2: when uh when when I was lighting that ass up, he uh <laughs> after a while he was ju- he just he just he just you know uh uh what what's what's the coward when,
0: a, he, when it's a soaking.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like so so they they learned after a while. Don't snap on Rahim <laughs> <laughs> at all. Like, don't really know it. really know it. Not going to snap. On.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 but
0: I mean, hell, man. But this is this is what I'm saying. It's like this is the thing that I I appreciate so much. It's just like such a wealth of history and knowledge, which is actually going to tap me kind of into a little bit of a segue because you've mentioned that you were there's the construction of the hip hop museum. Is that still because you, I think you're supposed to start working 2019. Obviously, we've had this whole mass of a pandemic and the whole mess up. Where are we at with the Hip Hop Museum at the moment?
2: I'm I'm not completely certain. Um, I am uh, one of the board uh, members, but um, I haven't been really uh, in the loop. Maybe I would say probably since a little before covid hit right um cuz i've been in a transitional stage i moved uh from uh virginia to uh new jersey and okay. uh, and prior to the move i was just uh involved in um a
1: business Oh, there go go yeah go back yeah yeah so go
0: back,
1: so, back to yeah. the
0: yeah, it's the biggest. You're saying that you you've been within a transitional stage and Yeah, I was in a
2: transitional stage, and so I didn't have the luxury uh or the time to to uh check in with um with wow. my associates at the um United Hip Hop Museum. I mean excuse me, Universal Hip Hop Museum. Oh, okay. Um uh as regularly as I would have liked to. Mm, you know? okay. But but from my understanding, um I I still like get email from them almost every day. Um they're very visible in social media. Uh so I'm sure that, you know, everything is still um, you know, a go as far as the museum being, you know, erected and that sort mm. of thing. eventually. I just don't know. I I think it's 2022 was the uh projected um date that they were going to um have it have it finished
0: so well at least well, at least, what well, i mean for the way things are looking right now because it doesn't speaking,
2: appear yeah, they're yeah start started yeah, in 2020 yeah. i don't know i don't know if it'll be
0: finished by then, but yeah, yeah but at least then hopefully this whole this whole thing will be behind us so i can at least travel out there for the first time so mm-hmm. definitely definitely want to go out and check that stuff yeah. Um, so what I was because I know Ishmael wanted to ask you, um, ask a few questions. Well, I've just, just, just no, you, you got, got this, man. You no, got man. I'm
1: just this, man. I you just got me literally a fan, Hup- out like what I'm just my 10, hands on my lap <laughs> I'm just in, into this. I'm a fan right now. Keep keep the questions going, bro.
0: Um, so in a sense, with the um, some obviously, now we're going to skip forward a lot. I mean, I'd love to get into a lot more intricates, but working with the with Netflix, the mm-hmm. get down. That whole production. So I mean you were working with Nas um as well, who was on board working with Grandmaster Flash. So what I was gonna ask before we get into the depths of that, so what's the relationship now like with you, Flash, and the surviving members of the Furious Vibe and the you know, those who you established yourself
2: with? Um it's extremely estranged.
1: Hmm. Um, oh, Grandmaster okay.
2: Flash and I we're we're okay. We mm-hmm. um we don't we don't talk. Um, really, unless there's some, um, some, uh, circumstance, you know, some event, some, you know, accolades that we're going to receive or something like that. Uh, but other than that, we don't, we don't really talk and I don't, uh, we don't talk, um, Melly Mel and I and Scorpio and I, uh, we don't talk at all. Uh, Melly wow. Melly, Scorpio talk to each other. They're they're cool, um, mm. they're just not cool with me.
0: Right, I know, are, we, are, you gonna, are you gonna get into a bit more depth of that in the autobiography or is that just something that you're gonna keep as in? Oh no, I mean,
2: I can, I can share it right here, right now. Um, okay, well,
0: if you don't mind, I just don't want, no, I don't want to step on eggs or toes, you know. No, I, no,
2: no, <laughs> not at all, I, I, you know, no one, no one uh, hushes me or, or says to me, shut up and sit down because it doesn't work. Okay, um, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, if you cut me, I bleed. And um, and, and I'm going to say that you cut me. I'm not going to cower in the corner and, and nurse my wounds and just be quiet about it because uh-huh. I need for everybody to know who you are because you might cut somebody else. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, in saying that, um, all I've ever done was be a loyal member of a group, right. okay, that's yeah. all I, that's all I ever did, um, as a member of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. And that's all I've ever wanted to do was just be a member of the group. Right. Um, I didn't, I didn't really care to be the front man. I was actually the front man when I was a member of the funky four, right. right. and. If you have a conversation with Grandmaster Flash to this day, and you ask him, which one of the Furious Five was his best MC, Uh he won't say Melly Mel, he'll say Raheem. And the reason why is because he knows us intimately and he knows our strengths and he knows our weaknesses. And I, I um I toned it down to be a member of a, of their group. I toned it down because right. I wanted to fit in.
0: Right. Right.
2: And um the reason why I, I'm I'm not saying that that I'm you know the end all be all. What mm. I am saying is is what I brought to the table was unique. And the reason why they wanted me in their group was because none of them had what I had. Facts. Okay. So, um, and the reason why the Funky Four was their antithesis when I was a member is because I was a member. And Mm. it gave the Funky Four an edge that the Furious Four didn't have. Mm. Now... Uh, the Furious Four won the battle, and mm-hmm. the reason why they won the battle was because they used um, they they did something that completely threw us off guard, mm. which was they were the more popular crew, mm. you know, mm. give or take a few people or whatever. Yeah. Um. Uh. But we were on their ass like as far as, you know, talent and, 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 and you know, appeal. Um, so, but in order for them to not seem as though they were, I guess for lack of a better word, biting off of us or copying mm-hmm. us, um, they went on before us. They went oh, on before us, God, and when they you. went on before us, they did everything that we were going to do. Mm. She, oh my. They, did it, they did it first. Mm. So, mm. Um, you know, they sung songs, and uh, they had choreographed dance routines, and we were planning to sing songs, and we had choreographed dance routines. Wow. Now, the difference between our... Uh, the The songs that we were gonna sing and the songs that they were gonna sing was that I was gonna be leading on the songs that we were singing, mm. so and mm. I can sing. Yeah, because yeah, mm. and, and these guys, Melly Mel, and those guys, none of them could sing. Mm. So that's the reason. That was one of the main reasons why they wanted me to be in their group. Gotcha.
0: Ah, right. Okay. Makes
2: you sense. know. And um, so, so when we battled, um, when we finally, when it was our turn to go on stage, um, I changed my mind at the last minute and Mm. decided that the Funky Four was not going to perform any of the things that we had been practicing for about a month leading up to that battle because... I was pissed off that these guys just did. <laughs> of, right. Course. Right. of course. Straight
0: biting. Straight biting.
2: <laughs> then I said to myself, you know what? We can't win this battle. Mm. We can't win this battle, but I can win. I ah. said, I can win. And so I didn't tell uh, the members of my group, the Funky Four, what I was going to do. Mm. Um, but I was the first one to get on the mic, and when mm. I got on the mic, I stayed on the mic, and I didn't pass the mic for maybe about a half hour or forty minutes. And wow. I was, I went, I went Allen Iverson, his first year <laughs> in the NBA. I'm
0: just dunking on you. I'm just dunking on you for, <laughs> yeah. eyes, for three,
1: <laughs> Brother, just butter. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: yeah. So, um. Uh, as a result of that, uh, well, while I w- while I was performing and, and you know, going for mine, um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Four were standing in the audience and they was like ice grilling me the whole time. But um, I was doing my thing so hard and so well, uh, the audience was cheering me on like like crazy. And then uh, it w- it got contagious. They Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Four caught what the audience caught. And they were enthusiastically giving me, you know, the signs, and so that's what made me know that that I was capable of of being, you know, sharing sharing the stage with these guys.
0: Yeah, and you yeah. definitely definitely on it.
1: Yeah, um So also, if I Juju, let me let me let me take this for a moment. Yeah, yeah, go go go. Yeah, go,
0: cool,
1: uh, Let's play a what if scenario. Sure, what if your, your your squad won? Do you mm-hmm. think um uh, it wouldn't be your crew today mm-hmm. in the Furious Five? If mm-hmm. uh, things
2: change, if, if you guys had four team. had won, there would be no Furious Five, mm-hmm.
0: right? Okay,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, if the Funky Four had won, there would be no Furious Five, but but um, for me, um. I didn't feel as though every member of the Furious, not the Furious, every member of the Funky Four had the same internal fire. Mm. I didn't didn't feel like every one of us had that equally. And I felt like every one of us needed that in order to win the battle against the Furious Four. Mm. So if
1: you guys won, do you think you would have been a solo artist? Um was it even possible during that time to be? Um, you know, there were a few
2: solo artists uh around that time, you know, Busy B. Starsky. Oh yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> um I don't know because I guess I guess from being uh um you know the, the funky four being my first group experience. Um I mean, I was in a group before the funky four, but it was a singing group and you know it, it didn't go anywhere. It was just uh in school. So then when you know when I got in the funky four, we started actually doing oh, pardon me. Um no, no, no.
1: Okay. To <laughs> yeah, I'll be right with you. No, yeah. good, brother. we got the thing called editing. Editing, we're yeah. good.
0: I don't think I might even edit this stuff out. I think it just needs to be right in it like real, Even the digital glitch I might put a little bit of that You know that TV thing right. In between <laughs> I'll probably just do that just Technical difference in, uh, You know <laughs> A few moments later Or whatever I may do But this stuff Nah man You have to keep all this stuff in This is this is good This is good Oh,
1: This is good This is good Good stuff man Good conversation This is good man I love it
0: Yeah man Like well once again Just like even like Richman said In the same way I say man We can't <laughs> Bruh can't thank you enough for these things, man. For real. Like, cannot thank you enough. Like, real talk, man. Like, mm. yeah. as you could tell I've juiced all the way back up. <laughs> yeah, <I> know, <laughs> man. What is it,
1: like, know, man. Was it like 11, almost 11.30 your time? No, it's,
0: yeah, yeah. It's almost 11.30. About three minutes yes. there. It's fine, man. No. I'm all for
1: it. Man, this is beautiful, man.
0: Yeah, he's fully on building works and everything, isn't it?
1: Getting it in, man. Home improvement style. But this
0: is the, this is what I'm saying, man. This is the um. This is what real life looks like behind the scenes, yes. fellas. Yes. <laughs> this yes. isn't this isn't no yes. IG business. Yeah.
1: This is not re- this ain't <laughs> reality <laughs> <laughs> TV. You, you can't make this shit up. You this just is missed the. reality. TV. Fact, miss
0: it. hey, it's not at all. And you just missed the <laughs> mint drop number two. I was like, I like that. It was a fling. It was a fling. It was a fling. Right, right, right. <laughs> you could have wrist
1: <risked.
0: laughs> um, So, um. I mean, one thing i just wanted to to, to yeah, right. ask, you know what was it like being um also tapping into ishmael's thing but as well but because obviously you didn't have records out it was only tapes at a point but yet your name was enough where you know this gang that's been on your you know your backside for like three years effectively one right. all of a sudden recognize what was it like being like i suppose i sp- like where ones would claim it but a hood celebrity i think that's the best not right. in a negative way but like if you're talking like you're rocking crowds like that like to right. the fact that people are fully behind you that's a different sense of community yeah. you don't obviously no, that's different it is now. let me tell
2: you like there, there was a time and and this was before we made any records yet um there was a time when uh i couldn't i couldn't talk to a woman in the brunt like i couldn't i couldn't go up to a random Chick walking down the street in the Bronx and say, Hey, hey, how you doing? Um, my name is Rahim. You know, (laughs) know, can we get your number or whatever?
0: Mm.
2: Um, because the word was out that Rahim was dating a girl named Mommy. So, and and I mean, when I say the word was out, I mean, it seemed like it seemed like every chick I approached. For like <laughs> for like six months, <laughs> I was like, yo, wait a minute, Raheem, why not? Why that name sound for me? Wait, Raheem down with breakout? Uh, yeah. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. You messed with mommy. She <laughs> lives in Eden Wall. Nah,
1: uh-uh. yeah.
2: I'm like, she stay ready, <laughs> right?
1: I'm like,
2: shit. Yo, all right. We we broke up, nah, nah. Nah, no, y'all didn't. No,
1: y'all didn't. And she crazy. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying, real took the she's She you know, the, there smoke <laughs> and, <laughs> and for real in the hood. That was like the first Twitter. For real. That was Twitter.
0: Yeah, that That's is for, for,
1: Twitter, that for, for real.
2: Social media. <laughs> for
0: real. Yeah, exactly. Before before social media, that was yeah. tags. If yeah. you see a tag on the wall for someone for someone. And them names ring bells, you leave them the hell alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> nah, she crazy, he crazy, Mm-mm, don't want no part of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man, but it's like, it like, really is like a full life. But I mean, Ishmael did actually have a, you know, like you said, you you know, going back to it, it's like, you wouldn't know, obviously if that whole course of things, everything happens for a reason, I suppose, right. when you want to look into the grander scheme of things. Right. But, he is actually does raise a good point as well because i mean in this we're now referring back to sort of like the get down because you know watching that is obviously it's a more of a theatrical tale of it the way i look at it is like a hip-hop music like a hip-hop musical done right right like, that's that's the way i resonated with it and that's why i found it so enjoyable like getting to know the characters but then also you know doing the research to know who was really there who wasn't kind of there right but even the construction of all of that, because I mean, there's already a lot of and now, I suppose, in the last few years, you know, Sugar Hill gang themselves have started to reveal that not even the lyrics that they were spitting. First of all, you know, wasn't even supposed to be theirs. And, right. you know, take Jacking, you know, Jack and Rhymes, which is, and then this whole thing kind of exploded. Right. But in a sense of, you know, working on the get down, what was it like, you know, working with now because he's one of the next people, like one of the people definitely I would love to interview because he's like gold dust when it comes to, wanting to get to like, have like this kind of experience with. But, you know, working with him and then obviously like, you know, at this point working with Grandmaster Flash and there's a few other big names that you've worked with on that whole production. I know a lot of us are upset because we know that there's a very low chance it's ever gonna get renewed or, you know, the story may continue, but that's that's all for us. It is what it is, but it's still a beautiful tale as it is. What was that experience like for you though? Like having part of your history, your contributions now being brought to the silver screen, if you want to put it in that one. Um, It was, it
2: was like, uh, it was like watching my life flash before me. Mm. Okay. Um, um, if you, if you never had uh, the opportunity, like if you didn't grow up during that era and mm. never had the opportunity to go to um, a grandmaster flash and the furious five uh, concert or, or, uh, park jam, or, or you know, see us perform at a club like the T Connection before we made any, uh, before we recorded any records. Mm-hmm. Um, the Get Down would have been the closest thing that you could get to being there. Mm-hmm. Okay, like okay. like there were parts in the Get Down that, like like it made me cry
0: yes yeah, well, well me i was even there but I was, yeah got me teared
2: up know, too like it like it, it 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 tugged at my heartstrings you know certain certain uh um parts of the get down tugged at my heartstrings because it made me reminisce about how it was mm. grew up and 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 what we meant to our community when when right before we started making records like right right. Before, we, right before we started making records we were doing three clubs in one night before, before we ever made a record
0: i stamina there.
2: yeah just just word of mouth and giving out flyers and the flyers had our pictures on it we go we go around all of the Every high school in New York City,
0: Mm. we take an OJ. Yeah.
2: Um, The OJs would be playing our our party tapes. We take stacks of flyers and go to every high school in New York City. And now every girl in New York City knows what we look like because our pictures are on the flyers. (laughs) We are actually the guys who are giving out the flyers.
1: Yeah. Who could be better than that? Real talk. And what I... I I Definitely, and what I love about that generation is that, like sports, you know what I mean. You have a farm system, and you guys had a farm system, and you had to work your up. We work your way out right. to actually make an album. Exactly. So, can that, you talk about that a little bit more too? Because I think so, that's important.
2: So, okay, so right, that was that was like, you know, we were a farm team basically during that during that uh, period, and um, you know, we. We just kept training, basically, which was you know uh, uh, doing doing parties. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of our biggest parties uh, that we did before we made before we had any hit records, oh man, one second I need to plug my laptop in or are we going? Yeah,
0: oh, yeah, that's all right.
1: Are we gonna to have to do like a B. Continue,
2: <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, two, part two coming soon.
2: Right. <laughs> so, um, one of the one of the places that we played, uh, before we made any records. Well, matter of fact, we made one record, and it wasn't a hit, but it was, it was marginally successful. Um. Like everybody in the hood knew it. Mm. Um, it was super rapid, and you know everybody everybody in the hood knew it because. We were popular, right. and so when they uh-huh. heard that we made a record, um, all of the people who knew us went out and bought the record. Mm. But it never got played on the radio, you know, during that time. And so um, we, we, to us, we were still a farm team, right? right? And so um, it just so happens that during that time. Um, record company executives started hanging out at hip hop jams because they heard that this was a trending new thing. Right. Right. So there was this dude, um, for lack of a a better description, I'm gonna call him the bootleg Terry Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not Not to be confused with my legendary brother, uh, Terry Lewis from the successful production team of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, not that one. Yeah. So this is bootleg Terry Lewis. So the <laughs> bootleg Terry Lewis uh, lived in the projects. Uh, he lived in more houses in the Bronx. Right. And, uh, he came to our jam, and said he was a record producer, um, and he was um, the A and R for a record label called Brass Records, mm. and they were interested in signing us so uh we wanted to make a record and so we um we went we we got some of our friends together who had a band and we took them in uh studio uh in our neighborhood and we recorded um we recorded uh, an interpolation of stephanie mills song put your body in
0: right okay
2: and um and so we we put our lyrics on that we recorded our lyrics to it and um uh we delivered the master tape to the bootleg terry lewis and then um i don't know maybe about i would say about a month month and a half later um i was i was walking up um walking through a shopping area in the bronx called fordham road and Um, there was a record shop uh, on Fordham Road, and they had the speakers outside um, sitting on the ground, like some big speakers, and they, yeah. were, playing, they were playing music outside. And it was the summertime or whatever, and um, I was actually on my way to meet with the rest of the guys from the group so that we could rehearse. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm about to pass by the record shop, um, I hear our song, our new song, uh, being played on on the speakers at at this record shop. So excitedly I go in and uh, there's a long line. So by the time, um, I I had to get on the back of the line. So by the time I get to the counter and actually uh, get to ask for the record, um, the record had gone off. Mm -hmm. So I have to ask the guy behind the counter, I'm like, yo, um let me get a copy of that song that you just played by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Mm. And he looked at me like I had seven heads and was like <laughs> Who? Who? I said oh, that the song that you just it was just playing. Mm. I said, by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. He was like, oh, oh, nah. He was like, you're mistaken. That song is not by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. I said, what? What are you Uh talking about? I said, I just heard my voice on that record. Uh I said, I'm one of the members of that group. The name of my group is Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, and that's Uh our new record. You just played it. How are you going to tell me that that's not by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five? He's like, yo, look. And he, he hands me the record, and I look at the label, and it does not say Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. It says mm. the younger generation.
0: Mm. Oh, so oh wow, bootleg
2: definitely ripped you. So, yeah. The bootleg <laughs> Terry Lewis. <laughs> he was bootleg and he was bootlegging. Oh wow. wow. So well had to start so, from somewhere. I bought a copy. Bought a copy of it and I rushed to rehearsal. And when I got to rehearsal, I showed it to the group. Um we immediately decided that we were gonna go confront the bootleg Terry Lewis. So we walked from Flash's house uh, on, on uh, Cypress and St. Anne's to more houses. Um, and when we get to Terry Lewis's building, we, uh, we go upstairs in the elevator, get in front of his door, ring his doorbell. And when we rung his doorbell, uh, we noticed that the lock cylinder was missing, and when one of the guys pressed the doorbell, the door actually flung open, and all his furniture and everything was gone. And we never seen the bootleg Terry Lewis again.
1: And oh we never, never, wow! Never
2: paid a dime for that record. Wow.
1: Oh but,
0: wow.
2: To this very day, I, I couldn't even tell you where the hell Brass Records is i don't
1: know though oh.
0: suppose that's that's a, that's a well i suppose that's the thing you always hear about especially when you're right. hearing the stories about the hustle. The hustle yeah. the hustlers yeah. out there who are looking to hustle off whatever you probably, you're producing
1: they're mm-hmm. probably with the fishes nobody know exactly
0: yeah it's true right. yep, yep. But, so. wow that's incredible that's it is yep. incredible yep. so so then touching on to that as well then so what was what was like the experience like putting together your first full you know project with Grandmaster flash and if you Are five when you're not dealing with you know bootleg Mr. Lewis, but you know
2: actually doing uh, it on a you mean like like our first album project yeah yeah, yeah so, yeah so our first album project um was uh recorded you know with sugar Hill records uh, mm-hmm. Silk um and <laughs> right, and um <laughs> When we um, before we before we made any hit records with Sylvia Robinson and Sugar Hill Records, um, uh, we would we would take cabs from usually OJs from the Bronx to mm-hmm. Englewood, New Jersey, and she would she would pay for the cars. I mean, mm-hmm. she would pay for the cab. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but coming back from Englewood going back to the Bronx when it was time for us to go home, um, every single cab driver that we used um, coming, leaving Englewood, New Jersey back to the Bronx, uh, we used Englewood car service. Right. And every driver who worked for Englewood car service, when we got in the car, they would be like, yo, We hope y'all didn't sign no contract with Sylvia Robinson and them because they are crooks and y'all are going to get ripped off because they ripped off every single artist that's ever been signed to them. Every single cab driver. When a cab driver is telling you
1: that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Listen.
2: Yeah.
0: Rajesh has got the answers.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: Oh wow! So I mean, because well, because obviously, because you then moved from um, was it Sugar Hill Records, and then was it to Electronica, Sugar Wasn't it that you? Uh, yeah. So then that's where you, you know, obviously transisted over. So right. like, they weren't, they weren't half lying because as we no,
2: not lying at all. We we never got paid any royalties at all when we were nothing. Sugar Hill Records never ever got one single royalty check. We only got advances. We never ever got a royalty. Uh, we didn't even know what royalties were um, when we when we signed to Electra um, uh, The very first thing, the very first piece of money that they gave us uh, was our recording budget, um, and so they gave us a hundred and eighty thousand mm. I mean, dollars. That was our that was our first recording budget, yo. We went absolute crazy, I'm <laughs> went crazy, because Sugar Hill didn't give us no $180,000. They didn't give us a dime for our budget. All they did was make the studio available to us and then told us how much the studio time was when they charged us for it and recouped it from our royalties that they never paid us, right? So, when we signed with Electra and they actually, and they actually paid us royalties and gave us a recording budget,
1: mm-hmm. and then we
2: had, you know, we got uh, uh, publishing, you know, we got mechanical work. Like I get, I get like five or six different types of royalties mm. now, but when I was yeah. signed to Sugar Hill, I didn't get one. You know, so.
0: Yeah. oh man i think that's the also the, i think that's the craziest thing and that's why i appreciate these conversations and your time for it as well as like the fact that it's never been black and white at all ever like the fact that you guys had to go through all of this in order for you know for for it to be some form of stability and then even then that's still not even transparent because once again the labels are still like um like 360 deals there's like so many other ways that they're trying because you've got like the soundcloud rappers now you've got you know people that can literally just make it off their own and if you've got your own building i mean one of the key things here in the uk that we always comment about is that in the states you can literally just be big in your state and yeah. you can be you can be sorted no one else ever know you at all
2: you can become a multi-millionaire just based on the people in your own backyard yeah you okay. if, if if they support you if you have the support of you know of home, um, um, really. That's all you need to be successful. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> yeah. um, um, This, this uh, production behind me, it has to go on. It has to happen. Yeah, we know. Appreciate. We appreciate. Um, so we can we can um, revisit this conversation. Uh, just let me know you know, Give me the heads up As to when You want me yeah. to back on the show And it's all good Yeah, we Absolutely. can do that Yeah, yeah right.
0: definitely,
1: so if, anything, definitely. definitely. Right.
0: so if anything Let's just work for the um, We'll work for the New Year's But um, but at least for the for everything you've given Thank you so much for your time can't, I seriously can't thank, thank you, you, you enough And your, your history me. as well um, When when this is up We'll send you the links As per usual But okay. once signing out So once again No Name Podcast Thank you very much for tuning in If you stayed locked in For this amount of time Thanks once again. Peace to the God. MC himself, Rahim Ish. Always a pleasure, as you know. Till next time, Juju yeah. signing out. I'm Hip Hop High Creativity right. one. 1. Peace. Peace. <laughs>